Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Good morning, friends, and welcome. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Man, thanks so much for joining. Those of you who are joining, maybe even uh, out of the state, maybe out of the country, or you're watching later on, we're just glad you're here. This is week six, friends, week six of a series that we've been calling With, the art of being with people. And you know and I know that it is an art, that uh, being with people is tough. And coming out of this pandemic, it seems like we're coming out of it, it's tough to re-engage with people and into relationships. So we've been talking about the art of being in relationships. And today I want to talk about the art of vulnerability because it is key in relationships, the art of vulnerability. As I was thinking about this, I thought, maybe I should talk about the art of paying attention. Let me explain. So several years ago, I was speaking at a conference, and I really wanted to get coffee before I uh, spoke, you know, like before my time. So I went, got coffee, good news is I got it, got the coffee, made it back in time. But bad news is, is that I was not paying attention and I ran into a glass door or a transparent wall. I'm not quite sure. Friends, I hit it so hard. Coffee everywhere. I hit it so hard, people were, turned, were turning around to look. Friends of mine were giggling. It was a mess. It was embarrassing. It was a shock. I was like, where did you show up? Like, how does this happen? I was on my way. Now, the reason why I tell you this is because I think vulnerability is connected to it. For example, have you ever walked into a transparent wall in a relationship? Yes, in a relationship. Like, like you were like not maybe paying attention. You were just focused on it. And you didn't know that that wall existed. And you shared something. You went to a certain place in the relationship. You communicated something. And all of a sudden, you hit this wall. And you're like, what happened? And you're kind of embarrassed because, because you shared a little too much. Or you shared something that was really embarrassing and you're stuck going, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do. You're frustrated, you're shocked, you're, you just don't know. See, I think for so many of us, um, vulnerability is a real thing when it comes to relationships. There are levels of it and some of us put up, I call, walls of vulnerability. If you found yourself stalled in a relationship, maybe even frustrated, I think you hit a wall of vulnerability in a relationship. As you're thinking about that friendship right now, could that be the reason why you're like kind of shocked, kind of embarrassed, you feel like you overshared, you don't know what's going on. So let's talk about vulnerability because vulnerability is essential, but it comes, friends, it comes with a ton, a ton of insecurity and a ton of ambiguity. It truly does because you don't know uh, with what friendship you can be how vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, how and when, how does it work? 
Well, for example, like there are some friendships that you and I are part of, and they're connected to where you are in life. I mean, just simply where you are in life, like, like in life as in maybe your age or stage, maybe the season you're in, maybe um, uh, you live in the same space, like as in the, your, the same apartment complex, you visit the same places. It's, it's, it's where you are in life right now. It, ju- it just is. And those relationships are real and true but they are based on where you are in life. Maybe the school, the club that you go to, you're a part of. It's just part of where you are. Others of us, we're not in uh, other relationships, are dependent on what we do in life. Like what we do, as in like your job right now. It's, it's your clients, it's your customers, it's what you do, maybe even out, outside of work, uh, maybe it's the gym you go to. Uh, maybe it's a people that you cater to. Maybe it's the same people, you know, based on what you do, activity in your life. It's, it's just people that are in your life and they become friends. So how vulnerable should you be with people depending on because they're just around where you are or they're around because of what you do? Because these friendships are true and they are real, but they, they change, don't they? And then there are some relationships that are not based on where you live or where you are in life or what you do, but they're based on who you are, like the kind of person you are, like the, your interests, your values, um, and those get really deep. They do. And they're very important uh, for us to pay attention to because those relationships are not connected to geography or what, what, to what you do for a living. It's who you are, and it's connected to your view about the world, your value system in a sense. Like spiritual relationships um, end up kind of really connecting with those kinds of people. But what happens though? What happens when people leave, right? What happens? And sometimes when people leave and we don't know uh, what to do because we've been vulnerable and, and we think that we will continue on those relationships because we have shared some things, because we've experienced some things together. And sometimes it doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen. When they, people leave, uh, you just don't connect with them anymore. When people just quit the job and get another job, you change careers, it just changes. And see, I think we need to understand that sometimes relationships just need to end. And it's okay. It is okay. It was real. It was great while it lasted. And you were vulnerable and you were to a point, but it, it, they just end. And it's okay. So how do we figure out how and when to be Vulnerable with whom? Based on the fact that relationships and friendships um, uh, are, are so many different kinds. Like, what, what, do, we, what do we do? Well, I want, what I want to do is I want to look at the life of Jesus. Because Jesus was a guy who modeled vulnerability. I mean, he truly does, does that in his life. Now, you might not think that, but if you read the story of Jesus, when you read his, uh, his, his life, the, you think about the things that he said, but also the things that were said of him, you'll realize that he was, um, he was a, a savant when it came to um, being with people. Like he understood relationships. He understood humanity. So there's a particular passage that I want to go to. It's, um, it's written by a guy named John. John writes this about Jesus, and he says this. John 1, he says, verse 14, And the Word became flesh. Now the Word he's talking about is Jesus. Right there. He's talking about the logos of God, like the God incarnate. He's talking about that God himself became flesh, which is key, and dwelt among us. 
And we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if we were to break this down and, and look at what John was saying about Jesus, what does he say about Jesus' vulnerability and the art of being vulnerable? I think we jump into it and we realize, first of all, he said that the word, like Jesus, became flesh. He became flesh. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, which I do have four points, some of my messages I joke are pointless, but this one comes with a couple of points, okay, or maybe four. So the first one would be this idea of shared humanity, becoming flesh. Vulnerability requires us to have a shared humanity with other people. Philippians 2 says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of the servant, being made in human likeness. So basically he's saying here that Jesus, uh, Jesus became one of us, though he was not one of us at all. And then John talks about how he became flesh. So he, he entered into a shared humanity with us. Did you notice that Jesus didn't like step into human history as a, full, as a full-on adult? He grew up as an adult in humanity. He, he humbled himself to show us that he shared the humanity. I mean, think about it. God allowed uh, us to help him grow which is strange, isn't it? Like God allowed this, like Jesus allowed this, the logos of God, he became one of us. I mean, he, he wa- wanted us to understand that if he was gonna be in a relationship with us, then he would have a shared humanity experience with us, and it's so important. I mean, think about it. He was single for 33 years, single guy. And he, in fact, he came from a blended family. He had two dads. Some of you guys get that? Two dads, right? He had Joseph and the dad of all dads, right? Heavenly Father. And then he experienced betrayal, death, rejection, loss. He he experienced everything that we did, not just emotionally, but also physically. What was he trying to show us? He was trying to show us that in relationships, people have to have a shared humanity. When someone thinks that they are above the other person, if they are superior, smarter, or better than the other person, that person steers the ship, and that person creates a culture that is not conducive to being vulnerable and authentic and real. Because one person always thinks they are better than the other person. Do you find yourself in a relationship like that, a friendship like that even? They're just, they just come across that they're just, they don't have a shared humanity. They're just better than you because of all kinds of things. And see, when you have relationships like that, when you try to do some really good things or you try to be there for people, the, the superior person, in a sense, comes across like every time they're trying to help you, it seems like they're having pity on you. And no one likes to have, you know, them have pity on us. Like, that's not a great friendship, you know? Like, oh, I pity you, and that's why I do certain things for you. I pity you, and that's why I help you. I I pity you, and that's why I pick you up. I pity you, I pity you. Because pity comes from a space of not shared humanity. It comes from a superior place. 
And so what it does is it, 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 it gives out of, in a sense, if you can understand this, it gives out of um, abundance because I have more and you have less, so I give you abundance. And it gives out of a comfort because I'm comfortable, you're not. You see, that's pity, but compassion allows us to have a shared humanity. Compassion says that I'm like you, I'm, I'm just like you. And it comes from a space, friends, of, of, of allowing the other person to be uncomfortable, like, or allowing one our, ourselves to be uncomfortable, and it gives from a place of lack. Even though I don't have it together, I give to you. Do you and I have a relationship like that? See, that is, that is so huge because vulnerability requires us to know that we're all human. And if we don't understand that, if we don't believe that, then we can't have uh, vulnerability in a relationship. It's just going to be strange and you're going to hit a glass wall. You're going to hit a transparent wall. The second is this idea of the, uh, he dwelt among us. So he became flesh and then he dwelt among us, which means that if you're taking notes, the second thing we have to understand is that there has to be a common reality, not just a shared humanity, but a common reality. And what I mean is, is that you and I see the world the same. You see, when he dwelt among us, he began to see the world with our eyes. Like he saw the, the humanity, but not just that, he saw the world we were living in and he spoke to that condition. See, I think some people, they live on a totally different world. You know people like that. I know people like that. They don't dwell among us. They don't dwell among us. They dwell in the stars. They dwell in like la-la land. You know that. You're like, I know, I know. I'm thinking about them right now. I'm having conversations with them right now. I am on a social media, you know, the argument with one of them. I, I get that. And you probably should not do that because, again, they are living on a different planet. It's not a common reality right now. They're just, they're just, they're just out there. And when Jesus um, comes in, he just doesn't become flesh. He, he, do, he dwells among us. That, the word dwell, in fact, means to reside. It's actually the origin of the word comes from a, a place that in the body that's where your spirit is supposed to be. It's kind of a Greek idea where, where, the, where the spirit is, that's where you kind of can really connect with, that's where you dwell. And so all that to say is, is that when people truly connect, they connect from a deeper place. When you do, you, you're, you're, you, you, when you dwell with person, with a person in a relationship, you're connecting in a deeper space, and that deeper space comes from a common reality. Uh, uh, Paul, he writes a letter, and he's talking about relationships a lot because he's writing a letter to these churches, and he's basically trying to help them get along with each other or figure out what the, what the message of Jesus is and what it looks like as, as it as, as translated into the culture. And he begins to talk about this idea. He says this. He says, uh, you are tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted. So he's telling the church, hey, by the way, I just want you to know that you're tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted. And then he says, but God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much, and he'll show you how to escape from your temptation. 
So I just want you to understand something here. Right there, Paul's idea is like, hey, hey, I just want everybody to get on the same page. We, you and I are the same. We're all tempted like everyone else. This is a common reality. Can everybody agree on this, that we're the same when it comes to temptations? Because some people go, oh, no, 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 I, it's not, it's not, I'm not, I, I, I would never be tempted like that, or I can never be. No, we all have our vices. I don't, I'm not saying we're, we have the same vices, but I am saying is that it, when a person lives in an uncommon reality, when two people are in trying to have a friendship, and the reality is not like, hey, I can mess up just as much as you can mess up, Hey, I'm as vulnerable as you are vulnerable. See, if you can't be in that kind of relationship, if that can't exist in a relationship, it's going to be extremely hard to be vulnerable. Why? Because you don't want to own your weakness and own your mess and share your mess and own who you are because the other person's not owning it. And you know if you shared your junk, they're not going to share their junk because they live in a different world. But here, Paul's saying is, hey, to, to relate, to be with, just know we're all, um, we're all struggling here. We're, we're all um, imperfect. We're, we're all trying to get there. And we're all just open to being tempted. So let's understand that. But then he says, but, he says, I also believe this. I also believe that God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much. He says, hey, can you agree on that? And if people say, yes, we agree on that. Then he goes, also, let me just say this, our common reality is that God can be trusted. Right there, friends, you gotta stop. Because in some relationships, in some friendships that you're in, they don't believe that. You might, but I don't know if the other person does. Have you ever asked them? See, you think, okay, I, I, I have imperfections, I have struggles, and here's who I go to. My go-to is God. I trust God with my struggles, with my insecurities, with my pain, my, uh, my temptations. The, 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 just the idea of like being tempted to just go down a dark, into a dark space. I trust God. You might be in a relationship where that other person does not. They trust themselves. They, they, they've, they, they, they don't trust God. They don't believe what Paul believes right here. So what, what's important? What's important is that you and I know this when it comes to relationships. Because they might go, I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't really, I trust in myself. And there's another passage of scripture that says, don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer. And some people have talked about, used that verse and said, oh, we should not have business partnerships who are you know, not uh, Jesus followers and we should have a fish shine sign that says we're a Christian company. It's a mess. Here's what it's really saying, okay? It's, it's saying this, that being yoked means that you're tied together in a sense and you end up going a particular direction. The, the, the stronger, more dominant person will stir, steer the direction. Be wise. Do not be yoked with someone who does not value or have the same view of the world as you. This is so important when it comes to dating relationships. I cannot even tell you. I've met too many people that say, we started dating and I know he just, you know, he, he had his own relationship with God. No, he didn't, yo. He didn't have a relationship with God. He could spell Jesus. That's about it. It's about it. And you know, you found out the hard way and you went to a place and the relationship is stalled and you have a heartache. You have you've got all this pain. You could have, you, 
you, you could have avoided that. You could have avoided that. So be, be mindful of that, friends. And then let's keep on going. Like, what's the, the third? The third idea comes from this, this, the, the description of Jesus, that he was full of grace and truth. Full of grace. What does that mean? If you're taking notes, it means we have to have emotional maturity. So you don't have just a shared humanity, a common reality, but to, to be in a relationship, in a friendship that, that is vulnerable and people are growing and getting deeper, you have to have emotional maturity. You cannot go deeper with people who are emotionally immature. You, you, you just can't. Proverbs 22 says this. This is pretty fascinating. It says, don't befriend people controlled by anger. Don't associate with hot-tempered people. Otherwise, you will learn their ways and become trapped. Now, when you read this, you might be tempted to go, oh, well, you know, well, I mean, yeah, of course. Don't hang out with people who just lose it because they make a scene every time they go out and they get, it's just a, it's a mess and we're going to get into a fight or they're going to say something and you can't take them anywhere. I get that totally. Or you have people in your life, you're like, ah, they have anger issues. They have anger issues and, you know, no. He's saying something so profound. He's saying, do not befriend someone who their first emotion, in a sense, or they're controlled by anger, which, by the way, is a second emotion. So when you and I feel angry, and out of anger we do something, there's something deeper. There's a deeper emotion. It could be fear. It could be insecurity. It could be something else that's driving the anger. People who live on the surface can never go deep. Be friends of yours even people in your life that you're like, I really want to grow with you. I really want to deeper this relationship. You're going to hit a wall of what? Vulnerability. You're going to hit a wall because they are only operate surface level. They've never gone deeper. They're controlled by a surface emotion. Here, Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs could be even implying that, hey, let's not have, let's not try to have relationships with people who are always controlled by surface emotions. And here's the deal. Some of us, some of us need to understand that when people live by that kind of, um, and that kind of uh, emotional state, grace, friends, is extremely hard for them to grasp. It's extremely hard for them to give. It's extremely hard for them to exercise grace because grace comes from a very deep place. See, let me, let me explain it this way. Immature people, Emotionally immature people think grace is either gotten or given. Let me say it again. Grace is either gotten or given. So they manage grace by how much grace they've gotten and how much grace they're willing to give. And so their relationships are about that. And so they treat people based on how much grace they've been given. So people will say things like, well, she didn't, you know, she didn't act like this or she didn't say this to me or... And I mean, I, I, I'm acting like this because I never get this from her. And if she's going to be nice to me, and I'll be nice to them, and I, I, I'll be generous if she, they're generous. It's one of those, like, if I get grace, I give it. Because you, the immature, emotionally immature person, and trust me, I've been there. I've been there. 
Okay, some people might still think I'm immature, whatever. But I've been there where I've thought grace was about giving and getting. Grace, my friends, is grown. It comes from a very deep place. Grace is grown because it's part of what the Holy Spirit does in us. It grows within us. Jesus gave away more grace than he ever got. Why? Because he grew it. He grew it. He grew it with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was full of grace. So you and I have to grow in grace. A relationship that where two people are not growing in grace is going to be a relationship where there are immature fighting. And you know this, we've all done that. There's immature emotional chaos. There's all kinds of mess. And it's just because of an emotional immaturity. Man, their personality is great, but their maturity level, it's, it's not there. Could that be a friendship of yours? Well, let's go to the fourth one. The fourth point comes from where the passage says that he was full of grace and full of what? Truth. He was full of truth. Now, truth, when we think of it, we think of right and wrong, right? Yeah, that's true, that's not true. True, false, right, wrong. I want you to think of truth because we're living in truth, not as right or wrong, but as light and dark. Like, that's what Jesus talks about. He alludes to the idea that people either live in truth, which is live in light, or they live in darkness, which is false. They live in untrue things. So Jesus, at one point, he says this in Matthew 6. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he says this, which is so like eerie in a sense. He says, but then the light within you is darkness. Like if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Like, so what he's saying is, is that if you live a life that you think is true, because it's, you think it's false and like right or wrong, but you're in fact not living in truth. You're actually thinking and pretending or um, confused or deceived that you are right and doing all the right things, but you're in fact living in darkness. See, some of us, you know this, some of us don't want certain things to, to be exposed to the light. We rather live in darkness. And I get this because we all want to look good. I mean, filters on Instagram were invented because humanity lo loves to look good. We're not comfortable with what we look. We, that's why we have apps that make our faces into all kinds of things um, because perception and what we look like matters to us. I get that. In relationships, it matters to us. But see, if we're going to live in, if we're going to live in truth, then we have to allow ourselves to live in the light. Now, what does that have to do with, like, so how do we live that out? So if, if we have to have, let me just um, recap, if we have to have a shared humanity, a common reality, right, the same world we're living in, or we have to have emotional maturity, then what does full of truth look like? I call it mutual submission. You and I have to be mutually submitted to the truth. 
to living in the light. If some person, if one, if one person in the relationship doesn't want to come out to the light as much as the other person, you're not going to have a culture of vulnerability. You're not going to create a safe place because someone is always hiding something else. And I get it. We want to look good, so we omit certain, certain things. Like I know people who, who will, because they don't want to share everything and because it makes them look bad, won't share. They'll be quiet because they are okay with you thinking whatever, and they're hoping it'll be good. Like they had a good reason for why, for whatever, but they don't want to tell you the truth. Now, if you begin living with a person like that and being in a relationship and friendship like that, at some point you realize, okay, I'm in the light here and I'm the only one in the light. Like I'm submitting to light and truth, but you're not. So there needs to be a mutual submission when it comes to the truth, a mutual submission. And so that is what God wants us to get to. It is so hard to be in a relationship, friends, that the, the one person is not committed to be in the truth. They don't want to be. They want to hide. They want to twist it. They want to control it. And it just changes and manipulates everything. Let me ask you this. Are, are, is this hitting home? Like you're thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Are you that person? I mean, have you been that person that goes, man, there's so much stuff. I don't know if I can be vulnerable there. I'm used to living in darkness. Could that be you? Could you be that person that's like, you know what? I get it. I, I, I just, it's hard for me to admit that I'm not emotionally mature. Man, that's a good place to be. Maybe, maybe this common reality thing, maybe you found yourself in a place where you thought the person lived in the same world and viewed the same world and had the same values but they didn't. So what do you do, right? What do you do? Or maybe they just don't have a shared humanity. They're not willing to say that they're human too. So it's so hard for you to be vulnerable. But friends, I would say this. You and I need to have relationships that, and need to get better at being vulnerable. It is an art, but it is important. For some of you, when I said the word vulnerability, you were like, I'm not listening anymore. And it was so hard for you to listen to this. Maybe some of you shut it. I don't know. Maybe you, this is your second round. You're watching it again. And you're like, okay, let me just try this. Let me try this. Why? Because there are certain relationships that you're just, they're just stalled. They're just, they could be so much better. But there's, there's this invisible wall. It's, 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 it's the vulnerability, the wall of vulnerability. Because some of us are too, too afraid to be vulnerable. Maybe it's not the right space and not the right place and not the right person, not the right relationship, but maybe it is and you're just scared. See, vulnerability is for the brave and you have to know this. Brene Brown, who is a researcher and she has focused the majority of her work on vulnerability, she writes this. Vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. That's scary enough, right? She goes on. Vulnerability is not weakness. It is our greatest measure of courage. Let me read that again. It is our greatest measure, measure of courage. Like, what? Yeah, because vulnerability is not for the faint of heart. 
Only the courageous do it. Why? Because the courageous have to fight against fear and shame. And fighting against fear and shame is sometimes the hardest battle because we fear rejection and we are ashamed that we'll be exposed. But fear paralyzes us. And man, shame silences us. It doesn't allow us to share and communicate. But that's not where we need to be. So what do we do? We know that our relationships can get better. And we know they need to change. Vulnerability is the beginning of change in our relationships. So that's my prayer. And that's my prayer for you, us, that we would have the courage to do it. And maybe this morning or whenever you're watching this, this is, this is the moment where you go, you know what, maybe I need to step into a moment of vulnerability with God. Maybe you haven't been vulnerable with him. See, what's ironic though is, is that he knows everything, but there's something about when say, you, you and I saying something, right? It's about we know that God knows, but when we say it out loud, when we know we have sinned, we know we are wrong, we know we are just, we are messed up, we know that we are, we are addicted to certain things, we know we just have to say it. We just have to say out loud, I'm scared, I'm ashamed, I'm not sure. Man, that opens up the door. See, God can be trusted, right? God can be trusted. And he's open. He's open to, to know and be fully known. And that's a big thing, my friends. Jesus modeled it. So that's my prayer for us. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I, I pray right now for all the relationships, um, for all the friendships that people um, have just thought about. I know that there are people who've thought about certain relationships and friendships, and um, they're, they're thinking about those, and you know the details. And God, for some of us, vulnerability is the next step. The level of vulnerability needs to get deeper, needs to get bigger, and that means a wall has to come down. And for some of us, God, that wall is so tough, so hard, so hard, because fear and shame control it. I pray, God, that fear and shame would not win the day today. It would not. They would not. God, I pray courage and freedom would. And that we would even pray, God, you know me. You know me. So help me be known by other people. God, I pray for all the relationships, the friendships, the marriages. God, I pray that, God, that as we are courageous, as we step out, God, we would get deeper and deeper in relationships, that we would know how to truly be with one another. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.